Welcome to the Football Fun Factory Podcast. I'm joined on the podcast today by Cambridge United legend and Leighton Orient defender, <laughs> defender Josh Colson. Josh, buzzing to have you on the show, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good to be on, mate. Good to catch up with you. The first big name we've had on, so it should be a good one. Big name. Um, <laughs> massive um, Josh, I think your story is one that is quite fascinating to me in the sense that I think a lot of young players will probably resonate with your journey through the game. Um, yeah. You're not someone who went through the traditional academy route, and I find that quite, quite an interesting story. Where yeah. did it all start for you? Where did that football journey begin? Where did that passion come from? So, I just loved football as a kid, as most kids do. Um, so I didn't really take it too serious or, or, or think about it as a career till probably I got offered a first year scholarship. So when I was, what, 16, 17? Yeah. Didn't really think about it as a, as a career path, to be honest. Like you said there, I didn't, wasn't traditional academy. I wasn't at a big club. I was playing for my local team, played for Cambridge City, um, which was what league they not league it was it wasn't professional full time football so yeah and then obviously I'd done a, my first year scholarship with Cambridge City which to be honest it was after school it was like right well I found a course to do do the standard sports whatever it studies course the old B tech little B-Tech that's come really handy. Um, <laughs> just because it fit in where I could train every day and almost live like a footballer. I didn't expect that to happen. Um, and then it, it got probably got more serious when we got transferred from Cambridge City over to the academy, got transferred over to Cambridge United. So I was, um, I was keen to touch on that. So it started for you, at, I think you were at Cherry Hinton, weren't you, as a kid? As yeah, a... yeah. Yeah, local boys team, Cherry Hinton. Played a year above my age. Um, yeah, enjoyed it. Just playing with friends, really, who, who were just my friends from who I knew from school and, and from my street, really. Yeah, and what were you a centre forward back then? I think we always gradually end up going further back <laughs> yeah, yeah. as you go up the levels, yeah. don't you? Centre, centre mid, and then yeah, I think it was James, our friend, that uh, put me at the, at the back. Cause yeah, yeah, you always ruins you. Always ruins you. So you, you started off at Cherry Hint and you're playing with your mates. And then I remember sort of the first time we came across each other was at Cambridge City. So you'd yep. have come through there. Were you with Jez initially? Was it Jez that got you to go over to Cambridge City or how did that work out? Yeah. So I first met Jez when I was, he coached my primary school year 16. <laughs> Crazy. Um, <laughs> he was just starting out at Cambridge City, I think. And yeah, so he took that team. So I met him there. And then, yeah, we used to train once a week. We came to City when we were real young and you keep going through. And then, and then yeah, got a scholarship, at, scholarship per se, at, at Cambridge City to do that for two years. So, yeah. So, looking at, at the Cambridge City team, I mean, it's a time that, I don't know whether I look back on it fondly. You, you were sort of part of that, that group. And I wouldn't have said at the time anyone would have earmarked yourself without sort of trying to put you down or anything, as the one that was yeah. definitely going to go on and make it. Um, how do you look back on those, those times? And were you really thinking, like, this is going to lead somewhere? Or were you just doing it, you know, you're local and you'll see how the journey takes you? Yeah, like, I think when we look back at it, I think we had some really talented players, really talented players. And fair play to Jez for getting them in to Little Cambridge City. We had, like yourself, when you came in, you're... Your academy 
like where you'd been and all that to me was like wow he's been there like I've been at Cherry Inton and you've been like getting all this good coaching and then so yeah like you're right probably weren't I wasn't one that was for the like to break into a first team but do I look back on it fondly I do now yeah I think at the time it was tough I think we got we had a hard school Jez and Nolan were strict I think <laughs> very much at, so at, yeah at the same time I think, I think we had a good laugh I remember a lot of fun good laughs being a bit rebel, being a little bit rebelish, but the digs was always a funny place to go. There was all sorts going on. And I think we, we sort of got away with it back then. I, I don't think that you'd get back, get away with some of the stuff that happened now. Yeah, I, um, think, um, I think when I look back on it, I think we had a group of players that were, de- you're right, we, there was a talented group of players there, but all of us, except for yourself and the local boys, that I felt yeah. had good attitudes and were actually at the same, more than the same level that, that we were, um, but I think we all had sort of flaws in our character, so to speak, and that's why we'd ended up where we were where we were at. Um, yeah. So you go for at Cambridge City, and um, I wanted to touch on this in quite a bit of detail. So Cambridge City, you then go across to United. Were you a United yeah. fan growing up, or what was that like for you going across to United? Because it's a big step up, wasn't it? It was a massive step up. Um, it was unexpected, to be fair. So we knew Cambridge United, they had no academy, they had no youth set up at all. And uh, our youth setup was funded by ourselves, by by no one. Like we got no funding or anything. So I think they obviously thought, right, we'll take that and bring it over. And like you so, say, yeah, I was a fan. Yeah, I I used to go to games with my dad and my friends. Um, my dad was friends with the groundsman who's still there now, Ian Dyla. Yeah, he used to, brilliant groundsman. He was great groundsman. He always used to give my dad two season tickets for doing some jobs for him. And we used to go, yeah, go there home and some away games it was good yeah so obviously to go and sign there was was like exciting it's like a almost it's a dream come true to play for my local club who I used to go, I go and watch play play football so yeah it was it was pretty surreal at the time mate. yeah and I think that's something that we're going to touch on quite a bit across your journey there's a lot of moments in your career where I just think like that must have felt so surreal and we'll, <laughs> we'll get to it in a bit one thing I wanted to touch on was we didn't have that traditional games program of like uh, under 18s, under 23s, no. and then you're into the first team. I was keen to get your opinion on whether you think that actually helped you. Because we played in a men's league then, which was called the Ridgens Premier League. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> do you feel like that bridged the gap better than under 23 football for you? I think for me personally, Jord, I think, that, I think it did. Now looking back on it, I think... Going into that men's football, where as a centre half, you you get crunched by a striker, you, you no one feels sorry for you. You you have to man up, and I think that helped me out along my career, especially the early days where that first team football was ruthless in the conference. Oh, yeah, um, it's horrible, isn't it? <laughs> and I mean, rigid, yeah, going from a little skinny kid in the Ridgens League, yeah, I think it helped me. I think. I think you might say different because of the way you you were more of a technical player, get on the ball, pass the ball, and we didn't really do. We couldn't really do a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, we were almost instructed not to, and I think for for me even yeah. more so. And I think we were both maybe a little bit late developers. I think you were always very tall, and you had but yeah. you didn't quite have that stature yet until you got into your second year and first year as a pro. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was it was really good for that time period to just be up against sort of you'd play with Mark Peters, for example, which yeah. 
was Mark quite a big influence on you as a centre back? Because I did notice as you started to play with him, you never yeah. lost a header after that. <laughs> but then, mate, then <laughs> the uh, Rhino, what a guy he was. Uh, yeah, there was a few of them. Him, Wayne Hatswell, Mark Albrighton, all yeah. very experienced, no nonsense at times centre halves who I learned a lot off me. Yeah, I, th I think Wayne Hatswell was probably the most influential. Yeah, because you didn't want um, him to moan, did you? You felt like, oh, I can't make God. a mistake, uh, mistake otherwise he's just going to moan all game. Exactly. <laughs> he he could moan, and he still does. I, we played Newport the other day, and, uh, the other day, like a couple of months ago, and he's an assistant manager there, and he's still the same. He moans yeah. about everything. <laughs> but yeah, I, I still remember that. He, he always used to keep me behind in training and do silly like, clearances. Literally, he'll throw a ball over my head and make me kick clear 10 balls and if I got one wrong he'd add one on and he just kept making me do it and do it and I used to think what just whacking the ball this yeah. is crazy like we're we're professional like what am I doing but as soon as you start playing games you realize why why he does that those areas are important and and defending the box was something that is massive at that level I mean so yeah. We're kind of going through the journey. We had a bit of an FA Youth Cup run, which I think put us in a position where people knew myself, you, Mikey Heim were the ones that might come through. Um, yeah. So you start to get in and around the first team. You're given a professional contract, but you haven't made your debut yet. And then we get to the 6th of October, 2007. Halifax, I think it was a home game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, home game, yeah. And you're brought on, on a sub. Describe that experience. What is that like for a young player? Everything's been building up to that moment. What yeah. was that like for you? Nerve, every emotion possible, mate. Um, I still remember it. Sort of looking around thinking, is this happening? Yeah. Uh, also thinking, please don't put me on because <laughs> I'm so scared. I really don't want to make a mistake. It's, it's a lot harder to make your debut as a sub because you can't mentally oh, prepare for it. Well, I'd been on the bench a few times, and especially as a centre half, you never really expect to come on. Um, I still can't remember why I come on, but I remember coming on thinking, <laughs> "Oh my god!" <laughs> Scared, happy, everything, every emotion, um, and then just after the game, I don't even know the score, George. That's how like, yeah, you just more about the occasion. I didn't actually care about the score. <laughs> I just yeah. was buzzing that I made a first team appearance for Cambridge United. And I think Cambridge is one of those clubs where it's like, it's not massively well supported in the home games. Like you wouldn't say the home no. attendancy, but did you feel the same way that me and a lot of the other players felt that it was a very special group of supporters? There was no club like that. I always loved playing in front of those fans for the very little times I did. Did you feel the yeah. same way when you first sort of broke in? Yeah, I think they always like a younger academy product. I think they like that. Um, so for me, it was, I'm one of them come through the youth team. I thought they had my back there. Well, they had my back, whether I played bad or, or good. So I knew they always wanted me to do well, which, which helped me, I think, mate. Yeah. So yeah, it gives you that I bit, of, enjoy it. bit of breathing space, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you started coming through around that time. And I think it was the next season that you really kind of embedded into that team. I remember going yeah. to watch you play. I say going to watch you play. I was uh, not selected for the squad that day. So I was <laughs> up in, uh, in Rosetta. I remember watching you play centre-back away at Oxford. Really big game for a young player. And I remember yeah. watching you hit a diag on your left foot. And you pinged it 40 yards. And I just thought, 
he's just you just came into your own. You you were a player then, like you you you've established yeah. yourself. Um, <laughs> and as that journey went on, I'm not people might not know this, but you you were actually invited up to Man City, weren't you, to um to try yeah. up there? What was that like? Uh, unbelievable, mate. Um, it was Sven Goran Eriksson was the manager. <laughs> I think it was <laughs> it was crazy, mate. So I think Jimmy Quinn had a. A good couple. The assistant manager at the time, that is Derek Fazakali, whatever his name, however you say that. Um, I think he said, look, I've got a young lad, centre-half, can he come and train? It, it, it weren't a trial, I got told. It weren't a trial. It was, go up there for some experience, train up there for a couple of weeks. And I was thinking at the time, but I'm playing, like, how can I go training with them and then not play? Like, <laughs> Jimmy Quinn, this is where I think Jimmy Quinn was brilliant with me. He, he knew when to play me, when not to play me. Yeah. Um, take me in and out and all that, which was really good. I remember driving up there in my Fiat Punto or wherever I had been. <laughs> they put me, up in, <laughs> put me in a hotel. Got in the hotel, like top of the raid, top, top room. Drive to the training ground. Stephen Island pulls up in his big pink Range Rover thing next to me. <laughs> I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Because they had a bit Go of money in. around that time, didn't they? It hadn't. That was when they started with the money, yeah. Yeah. So, what what sort of players were around it? Because I know they had a Brazilian contingent, didn't they? Have Alano and Alano, like mate. Alano was unbelievable. Alano. Yeah. They just signed Benjani when I was there. I'll never forget. They, uh, they, Mika Richards and Daniel Sturridge at the time singing the Alana uh, Benjani song when he come in the door. I was thinking, bloody, he must be like, what is going on here? Um, but yeah, it was good. They had, I can't think who they had. That there was all sorts of players there, mate. Now I look, when I look back, Fernandez, oh, it was crazy, mate. And then Sven turned out in his golf buggy with his hiking boots onto the training pitch. It was, uh, it was an experience, <laughs> I tell you that. Yeah, it's another surreal. So, what are you thinking? You turn up on your, your first day. Um, are you confident going into it, or are you sort of? Um, you must have been a bit nervous, but how did you get on in the sessions? How did you feel like you coped? I was absolutely bricking it, to be fair, mate. And uh, <laughs> a big thing was Joe Hart. I sat next to Joe Hart, and obviously he wasn't first team at the time. And Joe, I, Joe asked who I was and told him who my manager was. And I'm at Cambridge United, but he said, "Ah, oh, Jimmy Quinn. And he Shrewsbury. had him at Shrewsbury. I was nervous, but it was like so surreal. I think I look back now, I think, what was I doing there? You started to develop into quite a senior figure within the team um, quite quickly after you broke in. What, what was that like? And how was the kind of mental demands that were placed on you to be someone who's an important figure in that Cambridge team? How was, what was that transition like for you? Um, mentally, it was, I don't know. I think the manager helped me out a lot. I don't think he put too much pressure on me. I think playing alongside some very experienced players, Gleese, like we said earlier, Mark Peters, Wayne Hatswell, Michael Bryan, that, that helped. Um, they also put pressure on you, but the right kind, they knew when to have a go at you or, or put an arm around you. I think that helped. Um, to be honest, mate, just loved playing. I've always wanted to do well for the club, so... yeah. It strange on me, yeah. I didn't put too much pressure on myself. What, what did you make of Jimmy Quinn? Because he, get, he gets a bit of a bad uh, sort of raw deal with a, with a lot of fans looking back at him and certain people that were at the club around that kind of time. Now, 
It wasn't yeah. at training all the time. Like it, it was one where if you won, you, you'd probably get two or three days off during the week. But I always felt like he set up his teams properly. Like the team was very well yeah. set up. The recruitment was very good. Uh, what was your experience yeah. with Jimmy Quinn? I loved him, mate. I think he was really good with me personally. Um, I touched on it earlier. I think he, he'd play me for two or three games and then he'd pull me aside and say, right, Josh, you're not playing this week. It's not, it's not how you played. just want to take you out, take you, take you away from the bit of pressure, take a bit of pressure off you. Um, but like you say, he was a funny character. He was, uh, loved he his hit, golf. Hit golf balls at us whilst we were warming up. <laughs> remember warming up and he just used to drive balls. It's like a funny <laughs> one, weren't he? Um, but he's mad. But again, I think tactically he used to get it spot on. Um, three, whether he played three at the back, four at the back, he's tactically very, very good. Um, like you said, the recruitment, we had a good squad. I think we, we spent a lot of money. Um, so we had a good good playing squad. Um, but I think he used it well, mate. And I think he's very unlucky to to not get the club promoted. Yeah, it was a, I mean, when he first took over, we were looking, we were staring relegation in the face and sort of brought Robbie Simpson yeah. in and Dan Chillingworth came in and they they... He basically put a team together that went on like league winning form from Christmas until the end of the year. I thought, yeah. I actually thought Jimmy Quinn was a brilliant manager. Um, so I, w- I want to touch on 2013 yeah. 14, um, massive year for the club in terms of yeah. promotion, FA trophy. What was that season like? And two games at Wembley, and I felt like the club totally deserved yeah. What was that like for you? I think. What made it more special for me was the group of players um, were such a good group of lads, all similar age, all same money, same same mindset. Everyone wanted the same thing. Um, if you come into that group, if you was an outsider, you, you had to fit in that group. If you didn't, you were out. Um, managed by Richard Money, again, tactically very good. Coaching was spot on the training was always good I think that helps when the players buy into it and the sessions were brilliant um, he again was his own character he was yeah. could be very horrible I mean I, I don't think well he, he trekked me not great at times but because I loved the team and, and, and the squad and the club it made me more hungry I think he, so whether he meant to push my wrong button sometimes it works it worked so yeah fair play to him do you um, think maybe you were part of that last generation that could tolerate that kind of a grilling i think so i think so mate i i took a grilling quite well um so i just brushed it off a little bit and it sort of made me think right well i'll just prove you wrong um but again yeah i think we i could have been one yeah Last generation, I don't think many people would have stood, won't stand for that now, and then yeah. you can get away with with it now. And just to um to kind of encapsulate that, you started off at Cherry Hinton, and then twenty thirteen fourteen, you're playing at Wembley Stadium. I mean, what what was that like? Obviously, we we'd been there twice before with Jimmy Quinn and Gary Brabin, um, and lost both times. I wasn't involved in the squad, so I felt like. I hadn't been there and played, so I hadn't actually, yeah, I'd been there in the change rooms, I'd been on the pitch, but I hadn't had that match day experience of 
actually playing and walking out the tunnel onto the pitch to play a game. Yeah. So I, th- I don't think you could have wrote any better. We got Gosport in the FA Trophy final. No disrespect to Gosport, but we were second in the conference, flying. We couldn't lose. I mean, <laughs> we started and then we started the game really well, and, and one it was like it was a perfect day out at Wembley. <laughs> Scored a load of goals, won the game, got to walk up the steps and lift the trophy. For my hometown club, it was like perfect day out, mate. Um, I think it helped massively with the final, the the, the playoffs. I think it helped massively um, as well. I think for me, I still had in the back of my head the two playoff games before um, because of the pressure of the games and, and, and what's at the end of it if you win or if you lose. You're still in the conference and it, it's a crazy league. But I think I was more confident because none of the players that were there had was previously there when the club had got there before and, and lost both times. We were actually on real bad form. We weren't on great form going into the game, but it was just one of them where everything went for us, mate. Everything went for us and it was an amazing day. And how... Um... Who were the sort of stars of the show around that sort of time? Because I know Hughesy scored a couple of goals, didn't he? Or uh, who yeah. who really shone at Wembley? Ryan Donaldson, mate. His, his free kick, he scored the second goal with a free kick, was special. You know, yeah. one of them ones where I was behind it. And as soon as he hit it, went high, it went round the wall and just bent into the bottom corner. It was, it was like a form of art watching it go in and to be able to run and celebrate with him after was at our end was it, I've got goosebumps now even talking about it mate it's it was he was the star of the show man. he was brilliant that day he he won us that game ah oh, brilliant uh, yeah I certainly remember watching that free kick it was uh, <laughs> to do that under the, the the pressure that he would have been under on that stage is just uh, oh. <laughs> just incredible what, one against game... his old team as well he played for Gateshead yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nuts, isn't it? How things work out. Um, one game that we got to talk about. It changed the whole trajectory of the football club. It's probably the most important game in the history of Cambridge United for the last twenty odd years. Um, Manchester United in the FA Cup. Yeah. What was that like when the 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 name got drawn out of the hat? What were the feelings sort of connected with that game? I remember sitting at home, mate. Where the balls come out, she went. It's Man United. You've got Man United before they said it. I was like, what? Look, Cambridge United versus Manchester United. I couldn't believe it. Um, and we've been quite lucky in the rounds before. We beat Luton in the replay, I think. And uh, yeah, so we got lucky to get there and then to get Man United, mate. And then just the build up to the game was, was crazy. Um, brilliant for the club. Obviously, we knew the club was going to make a lot of money. And it, do you know what? <laughs> We had a meeting as players and said, we had no, the bonuses for the FA Cup were not great for our club, but we got Man United. So we thought, what if we get a result here? Like The club are going to make millions. Surely we can get a bit of a bonus. Yeah, good luck. And I remember, the, I remember Ian Miller asking about it and Richard Money went mental. <laughs> and I don't think Jez was happy. He was like, you've just got Man United. Like, and you're thinking about money. But we had the confidence in the team that we could get a result. Yeah. And on the night, mate, nil-nil at home to Man United was, <laughs> it was mad. And after the game, we would, it was, 
it was better to draw than win for me. Mate, I, I was going to pull you up on that, actually. I hate to bring it up, but you should have scored, shouldn't yeah. you, late doors? Is, yeah, is that one of, the, one of the best misses anybody's ever done? Uh, yeah, it has to be. <laughs> it has to be, mate. I can't believe I missed. But then when I look back, mate, I, it, I'm so glad I missed. <laughs> so then, I'm so glad I missed. So then you've got the replay. So the first game, they played a strong team, didn't they? They came down and played like Falcao played. They played... Yeah. Uh, who, who else was in that team? Jones. Uh, did Carrick come on? Did he play? Di Maria. They, had, they, they played a strong team. It was crazy. They bought on Van Persie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they didn't take it too lightly. <laughs> they just couldn't score. It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Oh, it's fantastic. Another... Utterly surreal moment. Uh, you're playing up against Robin Van Persie. I mean, it's just you've gone from playing against Adrian Coote yeah. in the Regions Premier Division to four years later, you're up against one of the best centre forwards to ever play football. I mean, it's just insane. So the, the the replay is at Old Trafford. Is that just a? Yeah. There's no pressure. You just go and enjoy the game, or what was that like for you? Oh, 100 percent, mate. Yeah, just go. We're not. We're not supposed to be here. Um, Five nil, six nil. Who cares? We're, we're, the club's got a day out at Old Trafford. Um, we've obviously had Wembley the year before. For me, Old Trafford's probably one of the best grounds in the world. It's it's the history of that ground and, and that club. Yeah, incredible. And uh, I just remember turning up and being ramped like the bus. The fans waiting for the main United team to turn up. And oh my Jesus Christ, <laughs> this is this is surreal, man. Yeah, it was surreal, but. An unbelievable experience, unbelievable. Yeah, certainly one you'll, you're never going to forget. You'll definitely look back on that no. with, uh, with fond no. memories. Um, so after the United game, I think the club came into a bit of money, didn't they, obviously? And the, I yeah. think Jez and the team there really started to try and invest in the infrastructure. Um, yeah. How do you feel things went after that game? Because it, you started to edge towards a few years later leaving the club. Um, yeah. How were things after that? Did it inject some money? Did the quality of the players get better? Or was it actually one where um, not a lot improved after that? Um, it's a hard one, mate. Uh, I think the money didn't get... Well, we didn't see anything as, as a group of players, which look, is fine, contracts, blah, blah, blah. Um, a lot of it got put, like you said, <laughs> everyone goes on about it, the toilets, <laughs> things, stupid things like that. And, Where's the Man United money gone? Oh, we've got some new toilets. But then you look at the, the playing squad the year after that, we had some big hitters in there again. Um, great people. Mark Roberts, Leon Legg, Barry Corr comes in. We've got players that have got bags of experience and, and, the, and the squad gets better. I yeah. think, go back a little bit, when we first got into the league with that squad, I think we changed the way we played which was disappointing. I think we had Tom Champion who sat in front of the back four and was unbelievable in the conference to get us promoted. And then we sort of changed for, to get off the goalkeeper, which we never did. He want, the manager wanted champs to get on the ball and start spraying the ball left and right. And, I, and that, that weren't his game. And I felt we changed the way we, we were. We changed our identity because we was in the Football League. So I felt a bit hard done by it, to be honest, George, like that. Being ruthless, um, yeah, yeah. So, like you say, the club had more money. Um, 
the the playing a lot of the players left, the, the promotion team left, got released, whatever. Um, getting some big players, big hitters, don't do too well to be honest. Um, do okay, stay in the league, whatever. But think the club maybe have expected to be higher, pushing for playoffs, promotion with that team we had, and it just didn't happen, mate. Um, then a few managers come and went, and and then it was my time. My time was up, mate. So you you would have left under Sean Derry, right? When Sean came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was Sean? How did you get Sean, on with mate, Sean? I picked up the end. Good coach, really enthusiastic. Really wanted to do the right things. Wanted the team to be fit and strong. And when he came in, I was really impressed. And results just didn't go for him, mate. Um, and then Leighton Orient come up for me. Obviously, it was my testimonial year as well. So I got injured the year before, bad with my ankle. Got a new. They gave me an extra year, which took me into my testimonial, which was superb. With the club, Jez really pushed for that, which can't thank him enough for. Um, he knew how much the testimony would mean to me and my family. So I left on a on a high, mate. I, my last game for the club was my testimonial game um, against Tottenham, who we share a love of, mate. Um, unfortunately, we do. <laughs> unfortunately, we do. Mate. Um, so yeah, I left on a high. I left under Sean, but it was for me. It was the right thing at the right time. And you, you ended up going initially 2017-18. You went on loan to Leighton Orient. It's quite a yeah. big move. I mean, Orient shouldn't be playing at that level. Um, no. what, what was it like as a club going down there? Because arguably, it, it's a bit bigger in terms of the stage and the size of the club and the history of it. Yeah. Um, how did yeah. you settle in down there? Because I remember speaking to you after you'd left and you were saying, mate, it's amazing down there. Um, yeah. How's that been for you? Brilliant, mate. It was a funny one. Like, you said, like I said, it the club should not have been in a conference. Obviously, what happened to them with the owners and, and the money situation should never happen in football, but it did. And Leighton Orient were in the conference. And I remember my agent, Danny Nesbitt, ringing me saying, I've uh, been on the phone to Martin Ling, who was my manager at Cambridge when I was way back then. Um, Are you interested in going? And I thought, well, yeah, like it's a good club. What, what have Cambridge said? And I think he spoke to Jez, Nezzy spoke to Jez, and Jez was... Then I spoke to Jez and he said, look, you, I think you've got to go. You've got to do it. It's a great opportunity. It's a massive club. Um, they, they'll do things right. They've got good people there. So, yeah, I thought, right, let's, let's do it. It's obviously the first time I'd left the football club to play for another football club. So it was a bit weird for me, mate, being yeah. that age. Yeah. Leaving, I was like, what, what's going on here? Um, but settled straight in, mate. You had a great group group of lads. Uh, Steve Davis, the manager, was was superb. Really good guy. Made me settle in. Rang me before I went down there. Told me what he wanted. Spoke to Martin Ling, who I'd known for years. Um, and it was the right place, mate. Like It was really good and settled in really well. So Justin Edinburgh comes in. Um, yeah. How difficult was that to deal with? Obviously, he passed away in June last year. Yeah. completely out of the blue. Tottenham legend, I, so, I suppose. Yeah. Everyone I speak to in the game has positive things to say about him. How difficult was that to deal with, mate? And how did that affect the club? Uh, very hard, very hard. Still still does affect me personally. Um, I've never had a manager where I've felt like I trust him in my life. 
Um, he made you feel like a, like like his family. Um, he made my family feel like his family. He was a great great man. Um, when people pass away, it's easy to say he was a great guy, blah blah blah. But this it just was top notch. When he first came in, mate, I I spoke to Wayne Hatswell, who was who played uh, was his assistant at Gillingham. Been to Newport with him, been there. As soon as I text that saying, oh, he's Justin getting a job, he said, yeah, and you'll love him. And as soon as I met him, mate, I just, it just clicked. Um, he was a man's man. The way, he want, it was, the way he wanted you to play was black and white, work hard, get the ball up the pitch. If it's on to play, play. But as a team, we were, no one will work harder than us. Um, he was brilliant, mate. For me, the best manager I'll ever have and ever have had so yeah it was difficult to deal with I think it had a massive impact on the club I think again a bit like we, when we got promoted with Cambridge I felt a little bit not let down probably too strong but we changed the way we played and I don't think that was the team that got promoted I don't think we got a chance to show how good we were and whether we could have done better in that in that league look who knows because we didn't I don't think we played the way we should have played. But and then I've come to Orient, we've got promoted, won the league, one of the best seasons of my life again. Um and our manager passes away in the summer and we don't get to show how good we are or were. Yeah. We lost a couple of really good players. Um Joby McEnough was injured. He's only just got back. He was a massive player for us. So I don't feel it's not don't want to play the sub story, but it's it's not fair. Um, yeah, certainly, certainly but, not going to be easy, is it, to bounce back from that? No, it, it was really, really tough, mate. Um, I was close to him, but everyone was close to him, so he had a massive effect on everyone. Um, and to lose that leader of your team, and fair play to Ross Embleton, who, who's now the manager. Um, we had a good preseason. It was tough. Had a good preseason, said like right, he would want us to do this and this and this, and we didn't change too much. We lost some key players, brought some lads in, and we've done all right, mate. We for what happened to us, I think it's been a good season so far. Whether it keeps going, yeah. I don't know, but um, we've steadied. I think it could have affected us really badly, and we. But I think we've stood up and, and we've done all right, mate. No, he, he certainly would have been proud of that by the sound of things. Yeah. Um, just looking back on your career, Josh, if you could give advice, one bit of advice to a young player coming through the system. Now, that might be at an academy level or it might be like yourself coming through that non-league scene where you're unrecognised for years and you have to have that determination to make it through. Yeah. What, what would you advise for a young player? See, now I normally say enjoy it. Just enjoy it because, it, like you say, it could end tomorrow. It could end... You could have a long career, whatever. Also, just take every experience or every bit of knowledge from other people. I think I, one thing in my career I've done was take a lot from other players, try and take as much information, as much knowledge I could from other players. So when I was young, Wayne Hatzel, I spoke about before, Mark Peters, Mark Albrighton, Dan Gleeson. Um, Michael Morrison was only a year older than me, but I took a lot from him. Yeah, um, he obviously brilliant got a big move and has had an unbelievable, yeah, brilliant attitude, unbelievable career. 
Um, have I, Morrison, I got compared to Michael Morrison when I was young, but he's had an unbelievable career um, and, to, and fully deserved because he was a great footballer and he, he so determined. And so just, yeah, try and take things from everyone you, everyone you can. If you, if you play with an experienced player, take as much knowledge from him and listen to him. I don't think a lot of young players do that nowadays. I think, like we, we touched on it earlier, I think it's a different generation. I think we were probably one of the last generations to to be able to take that much stick from managers and senior people. To I, look, I, you can't get if the youth team now was the youth had got to experience what we went through as a youth team. I'm saying not one of them would probably come from because it's so different. Um, so it's hard to say to, yeah, it's hard to say like, I don't know what it's like now. Well, I do. They talk back to you most of the time. <laughs> um, they get away with everything. But again, they can still enjoy it. They can still learn from players. We have kids in the youth team that ask questions, ask things like what what did you do when you done it and it's brilliant and there's nothing I like I really enjoy it talking to the younger lads trying to help them I'm still a big kid I'm 31 but I still join in with the youth team and banter them and, and try and because I got that when I was in the youth team and I loved it with the, when the older players would get you involved in the banter Mark Albrighton being the shadow and <laughs> he used to just pick up those footballs, didn't he, and just boot it against the ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> just nonstop. Well, uh, Hell of a lot of characters well, in that team. When you look back, like Courtney Pitt, Rob Wollaston, yeah, brilliant players oh, as well. To be fair, unbelievable. You look at Pitty's um, Pitty's career, mate. He, he was some player, some player. And to be able to play with him, and and I still speak to him every now and then, mate. I follow him on social medias and. and throw him a little message every now and then and you make some good friends and even though you don't talk to them all the time me and like like this speaking to you reminiscing it's brilliant George like love it yeah it's just all those people that have played that little part along your journey and you never you never forget it do you it doesn't matter how long people are at the club for you'll you'll never forget those characters no exactly what the amount of years we got what three four four five years maybe me and you but some of the things we've, we've done together, and it's a massive part of my career and your career. So. Give away a few goals between us as well, I think. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> You've got to learn from them. Um, mate, there's one special feature that we do on the show. Um, it's called Show and Tell. So the guests will bring an object that means something to them and, and give us a bit of an explanation behind you know, why that resonates with them. Uh, what have you yeah. got for me? I went obvious. Well, so obviously last year I won the league. I think also with what's happened to my manager, to Justin, um, it means more to me. Uh, he gave me, at the end of the season, manager's player of the year. So I've got nice. a nice shiny trophy. And with my winner's medal of the league, I just think that, that because of what's happened to me, it means so much more to me. Yeah. And just a, he chose me to be a player of the year. Um, yeah, that it, it it means a lot. And from him, Tottenham, like we said, Tottenham legend. Um, for him to when he come in, it was like, oh, yeah, he's played for Tottenham, and I got to share. He shared stories with me of when he played for Tottenham, and 
I was like, I'm like a little kid, like listening to him and he called himself the most decorated Tottenham player ever because he won two trophies. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't wrong either. <laughs> no, he's not, he's not fact. It was a fact. Um, so yeah, that, that trophy and that medal mean a lot to me. And look, I got promoted in my boyhood club, which is, I, you can't write, I couldn't write a better story, George, to be honest. Um, I should have had my medal, but that's currently with my promotion shirt from the player final with a guy who's going to frame him for me. So I couldn't bring that on me. <laughs> and, my yeah. Man United, and my two Man United shirts, my Andrew Herrera and Phil Jones shirts are with him in Luton. Oh, mate. No, that's brilliant. I think there's, look, your story is one that I think loads of young kids will look at and they'll be able to take, if they just take little bits from it, I can see it helping people and I can see it. Yeah. Um, like some surreal experiences there that you've gone from Cherry Hinton playing over the wreck to playing against Robin Van Persie, getting promoted <laughs> to Wembley, winning the FA Trophy. I mean, it's the stuff dreams are made of, mate. I think um, it, nobody deserves it more than you. And I'm really pleased that Thank you, you, mate. you've come on.